Tom Brady signs a mega deal with Fox. Jarvis Landry finds a new NFL home and the full 2022 NFL schedule is officially out. All that and more on today's episode of Locked on NFL. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostreicher, the host of Locked On Ravens. And thank you for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we're back here. It's a jam-packed Monday episode for you here today. Of course, the 2022 NFL schedule officially out. So we just don't know who these teams will be playing, but also when they'll be playing. So primetime games, non-primetime games, weeks one through 18, all revealed. We'll talk with James Rapine of Locked On Bengals in the final segment about the Bengals schedule as they are one of the youngest and most exciting teams in the NFL. So we'll talk with him about how he feels this Bengals team schedule went for them in terms of front half, back half strength, etc. But in the first and second segments, we'll be talking to first David Harrison of Locked on Bucks as we'll get into Tom Brady's mega, mega deal with Fox. And then in the second segment, we'll be diving into Jarvis Landry with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So let's talk now with David Harrison of Locked on Bucks about Tom Brady's mega deal that he signed with Fox. Joining me here now, one of the hosts of Locked on Buccaneers in David Harrison. David, Tom Brady has kept himself in the news over this past month, first coming out of retirement. Now with this massive contract with Fox, how you doing? I'm doing good, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well, and I want to start off because Brady obviously signing this, this 10-year, 375 mega deal with Fox to be an uh, analyst after he ends up retiring from the game of football. Now, we've already seen him come back, but this is officially after he is done with the game. But I wanted to start with just your initial reaction to this, because at least for me, I saw this and I was like, this can't be real. And then it was real. And I'm like, this is a huge deal. What were your thoughts on this once you saw it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was surprising. I mean, we've we've had discussions before about what we thought my, Tom Brady might do, you know, post post NFL. And uh, I gotta I gotta be honest, like when the idea of him broadcasting came up, I kind of dismissed it fairly quickly in past conversation. I mean, coaching came up, you know. I know I don't know if I ever really saw Tom, you know, putting on the headset and kind of standing on the sideline yelling at referees or anything like that. Uh, and then the executive, I mean, the, the executive route kind of seemed the most likely type of avenue that he might take, kind of go, uh, honestly, like kind of where John Lynch is now. But, I mean, John started off in the booth, you know, as well. So, I mean, maybe that's in the future. And then when the reports came out or the stories or rumors, whatever you want to call them, that he was trying to buy a minority interest in the Miami Dolphins, you just you kind of always saw him, you know, in that executive role. I think that just kind of is his personality uh, that we've gotten to know. But, yeah, so I can't lie and say that I wasn't surprised that's, it was definitely not a move I was expecting him to make, especially with, with you know with, with the pads still on. It was that was that was one of the more more uh, surprising things of the story. Yeah, you, you might think that hey, maybe at, right after he's done, they'll announce it. But no, he now he's now set up. And not that he wasn't before, but he's now even more set up 
for the future after football. But David, mm-hmm. talking about just how many people, for example, like praise Tony Romo for all that he does in predicting right. plays for CBS and just the knowledge that he brings. Tom Brady, obviously, such a smart football player. I mean, what are you excited about when he actually hits the booth, puts on the headset? What are you excited about hearing from him based off of what he knows about this game? Yeah, I think just a demonstration of the IQ. You know what I mean? This this is a guy who's he's never made his money off of athleticism. I mean, his rookie season, his first year actually starting uh, in the NFL, like any any Super Bowl, he's he's never done it with his legs. Uh, he's never done it with you know being being the the great. You know, we have the meme all the time or the video of of him dropping a pass. Meanwhile, Nick Foles catches a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Like he's he's never been the super athlete. He's always just been the cerebral quarterback uh, that gets done gets things done by being smarter than you and anticipating what you're going to do before you can anticipate what he's going to do to you. Uh, so just kind of seeing that more on display uh, in, in the booth is, is really exciting. It is. And I think now there's been a lot of speculation as to just when Brady will be done mm-hmm. with football. Now, once he came back, a lot of people said, well, this has to be his final year. But again, you just you never know in these situations. So after this deal was announced, did it kind of cement anything for you in terms of, all right, this is probably his last year. Or you just you just don't know at this point. I mean, I've been approaching this as his last year from from the get go, and I mean, to, to be clear, I was kind of in the camp where uh, he never said retire. You know, when he when he when he the reports came out that he was retiring, he said no. You know, that's not a that's not a done deal. Uh, and then when he did make his announcement, the, the phrasing he used was stepping away or I can't bring all the competition. He never said the word retire. Never filed paperwork. So I don't consider him unretired. But I consider him not retiring at all. Um, but I did look at this as the final go. Uh, around the NFL schedule and then honestly when you see him come come in for phase two I don't know how often he came in for phase two of the offseason program in New England but he never did it uh, in Tampa before this year so now him being here in phase two kind of shows maybe you know that that little bit of extra effort you know in in this in this season I think you kind of do that when you're looking to go out on top so I've always viewed this as the final season the fact that not necessarily he agreed to this deal but the fact that he allowed uh, Fox to release this deal, you know, uh, before this season, as weird as that kind of is to me, it does cement the fact even further, uh, that he is done after this season. Yeah, I, I would, I would think so too. And I also mm-hmm. kind of thought this was going to be his last year, even before this whole thing happened, but now it's, it seems pretty likely that right. it's the case, but David, moving on to the, the Buccaneers draft, this is a team that obviously they, they filled some needs during the offseason. The draft helped them do a little bit of that as well. Some maneuvering up and down the draft board. How'd you like what they did? Uh, I really liked it. I mean, there, there were some targets on the board that we thought maybe they would pull the trigger on a guy like Lewis seen uh, the safety out of Georgia comes to mind, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, the reports are they had four guys on the board. They liked at 27. You look at the odds of, you know, all four of those guys getting picked before pick 33. So they had the offer there from Jacksonville. They decided to roll those dice. They took the deal uh, and they net, you know, mid-round draft capital that helps them uh, further bolster the roster. They still end up getting Logan Hall, who was one of those four guys uh, reportedly. So you got to You got to like it. You know, there, there's some veteran guys out there in Dominican who You kind of still hope he comes back. Rob Gronkowski, you definitely hope he comes back. But I think one of the players that potentially has has the the ability to be the most exciting out of this draft class, honestly, is their third round pick. Uh, running back Rashad White out of Arizona State. You know, the, the Buccaneers lost Ronald Jones, who two seasons ago was their starter uh, until COVID and some other things. And then that's where the birth of playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny and all that stuff comes in. And then Ronald Jones kind of lost, you know, any traction, any footing he really had with the Buccaneers over the last year. So now they're they're looking for that number two guy. And, and Keyshawn Vaughn obviously is going to have an opportunity there. But I think Rashad White, even in his rookie season, he's got some talent, some ability, some and some determination. Uh, to do things as a three down back that could potentially put him on the field a lot faster uh, and a lot more often than people expect. 
Right. I, I liked what the Buccaneers did. Again, trading back just a couple spots. It gives them, as you mentioned, David, the draft capital to help other needs out yeah. and kind of take the risk factor of will these guys be there? But you're right to have four guys on the boards, just moving back that little spot isn't going to do too much. And it didn't as they still got a player they liked. But finally, the schedule came out on Thursday night and mm-hmm. the Buccaneers, obviously, they're going to have their hands full this season. But it feels like they could do a lot of damage in this NFC. How'd you like their schedule and everything that came with it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough schedule. We knew it was going to be a tough schedule all offseason. It was just a matter of what order the NFL was going to going to hand it to them, right? And, I mean, you have to at least, I suppose, if you need to tip tip a, tip, tip the cap down to the NFL schedule makers, uh, you know, traveling to Dallas. It's not a it's not a coast-to-coast trip, but, you know, from Florida to Texas, middle of the country type of area, uh, you get that out of the way week one. You don't have to worry about that early on. And then, I mean, it's just it's it's must-see TV for any NFL fan. I think you got Cowboys, Saints, and then follow that up with Packers and, and Chiefs. I mean, it's it's a mini playoffs series, you know what I mean? It's it's not a, no elimination games in there. They're going to play every single one, uh, but you just the 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 schedule is just top to bottom, just entertaining games uh, all the way down. I mean, even you look at the Atlanta Falcons, who a lot of people may not see a lot of a lot of burn in, but you know by the time you see them, maybe it's Desmond Ritter on the field, uh, and, and maybe you have Lee Allure of seeing one of these new quarterbacks who might be the future of the league. So it's going to be tough, you know. Uh, James and I both we did a record, you know, our way too early record prediction when the schedule dropped, and we still have fourteen and three. We might be a little optimistic there. We'll see how they can handle it. Uh, but you like the fact that LA has got to come uh, to Tampa and that we're not traveling to Seattle, so not, you know, that that's definitely going to be big. And then uh, there's a there's a rest edge uh, analytic out there. Um, I can't remember the exact source anymore, so uh, forgive me for that. But you know, the Buccaneers also have kind of the edge in in, in how many short turnarounds they have versus their opponents. Yeah, it's huge to not have to just play a game, then go play four days later or six days later. It's big to have that rest. But I think, again, the playoff games going on there, they get playoffs in quotes because it's during the regular season, but not that the Bucs need a lot of playoff testing because they have obviously one of the most playoff tested quarterbacks of all time in Tom Brady. But to have that experience, that competitive edge heading into the playoffs, which I assume they'll make, you never know, but I assume the Buccaneers will be a playoff team this year. I think that's a huge advantage. But David, thanks so much for hopping on here. And who knows, Tom Brady, he always keeps himself in the news. Maybe you'll be back here in a couple of weeks talking something else that he does. But thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. A big thanks to David for hopping on here, talking Tom Brady and that massive deal he signed with Fox. And I'm really excited to see Tom Brady's transition from the field to the booth. Obviously, such a smart football player, and I know he wouldn't be where he is today without that football IQ. So to hear him talk about everything that he sees on the field is going to be really, really cool. We'll head into our first break here on Locked on NFL. When we get back, we'll be diving into Jarvis Landry with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still a ton to talk about on Locked on NFL. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online and our partners Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. And so if you're like me and your NBA team is eliminated from the playoffs, I mean, that's the Denver Nuggets. So that happened a couple weeks ago. Be sure to find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, or at least the remainder of them, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So be sure to head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you for making Locked on NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube in video form. And also be sure to follow us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts in audio form. 
And now we're going to dive into Jarvis Landry as Landry signed a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. And we'll talk with Ross Jackson about what Landry brings to New Orleans now. Joining me now for the second straight week is Locked on Saints host Ross Jackson. Ross, the Saints continue to stay busy. Tired Matthew last week, Jarvis Landry this week. How you doing? Oh, good, man. Look, you, you can't get rid of me. You can't get rid of me. Uh, these New Orleans Saints keep making these big moves. So glad to be able to sit here and talk to you about the other side of the ball this time. Yeah, definitely. Man. We talked a lot about the defense last week with the Saints making that offensive move, signing Jarvis Landry one-year deal. Now, Landry, it seemed like he was had interest from a lot of different teams, and the Saints ended up winning out. He goes home back to Louisiana. And, Ross, did you expect this to happen? Did you maybe think the Saints were done after Tyron Matthew and they were going to kind of roll with what they had? Or was this a situation where you thought Landry could have been on the horizon? It, it seemed like a possibility from, you know, uh, kind of carrying over from when he did a pre-draft visit with them just the week before the draft. Most of the reports that were coming from guys like Ian Rappaport and others were effectively saying that his decision was going to come down to basically Cleveland and the New Orleans Saints. And of course, every New Orleans Saints fan has heard that before and then watched that same player go to sign with the Los Angeles Rams or sometimes the Baltimore Ravens. And so like lots of those, you know, lots of people kind of be a little bit hesitant around that. But this actually ended up working out in New Orleans to be able to get the one-year deal done with him. It's going to be, you know, some good incentives and things like that. So it's going to give him an opportunity to come into what's turning into a good situation, the New Orleans Saints offense, and then potentially hit free agency again to look for a bigger and perhaps one of the final contracts that he'll have in his career as he turns 30 in the offseason. Yeah, and Landry's still a very, very good player. In my opinion, at least, the top wide receiver left on the free agent market. Mm -hmm. You also look at guys like Julio Jones, Otto Beckham, etc. But what does he bring to this offense with hopefully Michael Thomas coming back at full strength and also now rookie Chris Olave in the fold as well? Yeah, so he talked a little bit about this on Sunday when he did his introductory press conference. We asked him a little bit about his fit with uh, Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. And one of the things that he had mentioned was that he feels like they're going to be a problem. Like each of them individually, he said, we are each a problem. And they're all sort of have a different focus, right? Michael Thomas is able to be, you know, a, particularly a short and intermediate threat, but he has the capability of being a three-level threat as a possession receiver that's able to create some natural separation in his route running. Jarvis Landry can do some similar things to Michael Thomas, but would, you know, benefit a lot operating out of the slot while Chris Olave becomes sort of the three-level threat and the deep threat that allows you to take the top off of the opposing defenses. So there's a lot of opportunity here for these guys, and they're going to be working with Jameis Winston, who's going to be looking to throw the ball, obviously, with this new New Orleans Saints offense led by Pete Carmichael. So it gives you all of that in terms of what you get on the field, and then off the field, it gives you a fantastic leader as well. Leadership, he said, is a huge part of his game, and he believes that it's a huge part of who he is. And so just like Tyron Matthew, leadership big thing that the New Orleans Saints were able to bring into the building with that addition. Right. And can you kind of expand on that off-field fit again? I know we talked about it so much last week with Tyron Matthew and obviously the storylines with him coming to New Orleans and everything. What is that like there right now in the excitement level in New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible thing. Like every free agent that has come through New Orleans so far this offseason that's joined us for those press conferences has always talked about, A, that the New Orleans Saints are a well-run organization from their standpoint, but then B, that they're not only just interested in being a part of the New Orleans Saints team, they're interested in being a part of the city of New Orleans. And so there's just that connection between this team, this club, and this fan base and this community. And every player that walks in gets the opportunity to be a part of that. You know, we mentioned Tyron Matthew, Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, and many others last week. Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry now get to team up when they want to do any type of, you know, extra pieces or some public visits and things like that, right? Like now there's that extra piece that he'll be able to do. And, you know, as we mentioned before, 
Jarvis is from the area, and that's the thing that's so specific about this situation with Tyra Matthew and Jarvis Landry is that there's that connection between the club and the community, but now you have players that are from the community coming to the club, and that's a whole other level of connection for them. Jarvis Landry grew up in Metairie, Louisiana, where the Saints practice facility is, so it's, it's a pretty outstanding opportunity for him. Oh, it, it is, and now that you're looking at the Saints offense, all these weapons surrounding James Winston – you look at how last week we talked about the defense, Ross, and you said, look, this is a, they can win with their defense, but did this signing give you the confidence now that, hey, maybe they can pull out a couple of these games in a close, maybe low-scoring game with their offense now that Landry is on board? Yeah, look, the Saints lost eight games last year. Two of those games came down to two points. And some of that really just has to do with not having a kicker in some situations. But now you look at the New Orleans Saints in this offense, and they may be able to also help to create some distance and aid their defense over on the other side. I mean, yeah, I thought that this was going to be a defensive-led team. Uh, You know, you figure that, too, when you have a guy like Dennis Allen, who's a defensive mind, former defensive coordinator, former secondary coach, stepping into the head coaching role. But now the Saints have done a lot to help out their offense as well and shouldn't really struggle to put points up on the board as soon as they can quickly get into rhythm and that'll be the next thing is sort of feeling each other out figuring out what that connection is and how to take advantage of that on a week-by-week basis but yeah uh, you know there's still a couple of things that this Saints offense could do to benefit themselves another veteran tight end certainly wouldn't hurt Uh, another running back option for them considering that Alvin Kamara may end up serving some of uh, the 2020 season off and on suspension and so due to the offseason arrest uh, in February and so you know we'll see where all that goes but as of right now, outside of those two big question marks, the Saints, who walked in with massive question marks, seem to be ready to answer them. Right, and you mentioned a couple of those needs, mostly on the same wavelength, because you took my next question off, just what's next <laughs> for the Saints? Because at this rate, we might have you back next week, because the Saints keep making moves and moves. Would you prioritize a tight yeah. end, prioritize a running back? Where is your prioritization for the Saints team right now? I think I would definitely prioritize uh, a running back. There's a couple of... Um, uh, reunions that they can they can look at uh, you know former Ravens Latavius Murray and Deontay Freeman both spent last year's offseason and more in Latavius Murray's case with the New Orleans Saints they're they're familiar with the with the the system particularly Murray uh, Philip Lindsay is still out there as a as an option as well as a potential free agency ad and the Saints have been all about their LSU Tigers lately so maybe a guy like Darrell Williams ends up getting a phone call uh, as well but I'll tell you one other thing though on the defensive side speaking of an LSU reunion. Quan Alexander is a name to continue to keep an eye out on as well because that Saint, the Saints could use a little bit more depth over in their linebacker room. Yeah, very quality linebacker in Quan Alexander. But, Ross, finally, I do want to talk a little about, bit about the Saints' schedule with you. Just a quick question about what your overall thoughts were. Obviously, the schedule, full one, coming out on Thursday night. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's a challenging schedule for sure. They're going to open up their first three games or against division opponents. They'll close three of their last five games will also be against division opponents, as is the sort of rhythm of the NFL to end on those division games. But you, know, you look at a couple of other things. Their stretch between week nine through 13 include teams like the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. After Pittsburgh has had 13 days of rest in between games at that point, uh, the Saints have a you know trip to London at one point in this one and they have a late bye week not until week 14 so it's going to be a really tough stretch up until that bye week starting at about week nine so the first eight games of the season they have at least six winnable games there they have to be able to get off to a hot start but they'll need to be able to finish strong as well 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, between their draft, the recent Frazier additions, the Saints have equipped themselves well yeah. to deal with that tough schedule for <laughs> sure. But Ross, that's all I have. Thank you so much. And who knows, maybe we'll be talking with you next week. Maybe the Saints will even trade for a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and just <laughs> let that LSU train continue to roll there in New Orleans. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, bring all the Tigers home. That's what the city of New Orleans wants right now, for sure. appreciate you, Kevin. Good to see you, bud. Ross hopping on for the second straight week with me. Obviously, last week we talked Tyron Matthew. This week it was Jarvis Landry. Great insight as always from Ross. We'll head into our final break here, though. Let me get back on Locked on NFL. We'll be talking with James Rapine of Locked on Bengals about the Bengals' schedule for 2022. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked on NFL, so don't go anywhere. But first, I do want to tell you about Built Bar. And imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. Well, that's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. And I just received my birthday cake puffs and there is nothing like them. They're available right now, and we can't promise they'll be there tomorrow, so get them today at Built.com. Make every day your birthday with Built's birthday cake puffs. They have the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake, and then you can have that 100% white chocolate in there. You get added sprinkles. It all just comes together super, super nicely. All Built puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate, and that means with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. So go to Built.com to get birthday cake puffs now. Just go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're back here. Our final segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still hanging out with you here. And again, thank you for making us your first listen of the day here on Locked on NFL. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us anywhere you get your podcasts in audio form as well. It's the same show, both audio and video form. But now we're going to dive into some schedule talk, talking with James Rapine of Locked on Bengals. Obviously, the Bengals, one of the most exciting teams in the NFL in 2021, including that playoff run where they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. So we'll talk with James about all that now. Joining me here now is one of the hosts of Locked On Bengals, James Rapine. And James, this this Bengals team is a team that I think has the potential to even improve more upon what they did in 2021, <laughs> and that's making it to the Super Bowl is the AFC representative. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's really exciting because now we know the full schedules for every NFL team. And Cincinnati is where I wanted to talk with you here about just – what they're going to have to go through in 2022 because they finished in first place in the AFC North. They'll have to play a first place schedule, not to mention they have to play all these teams in the AFC North, a very talented division at that. What was your overall reaction when the schedule came out? Was it something you were expecting in terms of front versus back half loaded, the bye week? What were your overall thoughts? Uh it's funny. There's a lot of similarities between their schedule last year uh, to this year from a how it's structured by week, week 10, first primetime game week four, Thursday night football week four. Um, that being said, uh, outside of that, there's a lot of differences. And it's uh, it starts with the primetime games, right? You got five primetime games. You got three, four, 25 games. That part was expected. But what I, I don't think was expected is how backloaded and you're absolutely right that was my biggest takeaway when i first saw the schedule on thursday i'm looking at it and it's like okay you open with pittsburgh that's reasonable okay this this then you're going down uh, i'll give you a stat kevin the first nine games of the year they're nine opponents you look at the record the combined record last year 71 81 and one the final eight games of the season 83 52 and one so that back half is tough and yeah some of those games are at home key games against 
teams like the Chiefs, right? You end with the Ravens at home, all that stuff. But man, it is tough. So it's uh, to me, you're going to want to get off to a good start and pick up where you left off last year if you want to end up back in the big game, not only in the playoffs, but uh, making another Super Bowl run. Yeah, it's imperative to start off strong, especially with that kind of gauntlet over the back half. But James, with those primetime games from one to five for Cincinnati, something I noticed in that schedule was the Bengals three away primetime games. Each of those is against an AFC North opponent. You have Baltimore, you have Cleveland, you have Pittsburgh. How much of a shock was that to you that you see the Bengals get those five primetime games? They play each of the AFC North teams once, but they're all on the road there. Surprising. Surprising for a few reasons. And one, it's just rare. I think it's rare that you see those division games in prime time um, in general in the fact that now you're seeing it with the Bengals. And, and I think the, the other part of this, and this part is not a surprise, is the Bengals are interesting. They're likable. And well, whether it's the, the team you cover, and I think the team you cover, there's plenty of fans and there's plenty of interest around Lamar Jackson and what happens with the new defensive coordinator and all of these things. I think that there's a chance that the Bengals play the Browns week eight and Deshaun Watson might not be on the field and the Browns didn't get a ton of primetime games. So I think the way the schedule make makers made this look is, Oh, well, if Watson's back, great. But if not, at least it's Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and company going against the Browns in Cleveland. And so that part of it is still intriguing to a national audience. Same thing goes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers might end up being really good. And I do think they're talented, but they do have a question mark at quarterback. So you're not putting them in eight primetime games. And I know that you can't do that anyway. Five's the max, but you're just not doing that because there's some risk there. You know what isn't risky? Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, et cetera. So I think that was part of it as far as interest goes. That doesn't mean I think the Bengals are going to finish first or anything like that. But, but I think from a an intrigue standpoint and an interest standpoint, likability, all of those things, their Q rating is is really, really high as a team. And it starts with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. No, it does. And I think you kind of saw as the playoffs went on and the Bengals kept winning, you know, playoff game after playoff game, more people started to hop on this bandwagon because you see Joe Burrow with the glasses and with everything that he does. And you see Jamar Chase, see that connection. It is very electric. So I think when you're talking about likability and obviously it kind of goes away with the AFC North teams. Like I kind of put those teams to the side and say, when you look at the rest of the league, I think the Bengals can be a very likable team across the rest of it. But James, when you circle one or two matchups across the schedule, there are plenty where you could circle and say, this is the game of the season, or that is the game of the season. What are the two biggest matchups of the year for you? Oh, two biggest. That It's interesting. So the, the first one to me, I think they have to get off to a good start, as I mentioned. And so if you let Pittsburgh come into your house on September 11th and punk you. I know it's a one o'clock game, but you don't know if it's going to be Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. And you, you've won three straight over the Steelers. You won the division last year. You swept them last year for the first time since 2009. You need to handle business in that game. So I, I think that's a, almost a tone setter, especially because then they have to go on the road to Dallas, on the road to the Jets. Four days later, they play the Dolphins uh, on Thursday night football. Then it's two more road games, Baltimore, on Monday night or on Sunday night, excuse me, and then the Saints. So a lot of road games early on, even though the schedule from a strength of schedule standpoint um, is easier. So I'll say that Pittsburgh game to set the tone. And then I'm going to go all the way towards the end of the season, that week 17 matchup, Monday night football at home against the Buffalo Bills. If the Bengals are who we think they are, 
then they're going to be playing for something on that night. Is it the AFC North? Is it just a wild card spot? Is it more? Is it the number one seed? Is it the number two seed? Are they battling the Bills for that? And I think most people consider the Bills the favorite right now uh, to come out of the AFC uh, and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So I think that game, it's at home, could be the biggest game of the season. And, and obviously a lot has to happen for that to, to happen. But I think week one, you just want to continue to set the tone, especially with the, the road gauntlet over the you know four out of the next five weeks. Um, and then at the end of the year against the Buffalo Bills, I think that's a huge matchup right after the new year on Monday night, January 2nd. Yeah, and I think for a team like the Bengals, who I personally expect to make the playoffs again, that's a team that if they do make the playoffs, that's going to be a battle-tested team all the way through, especially in the back half of that schedule. You're playing multiple games against multiple big-time opponents, so I think that it will end up benefiting the Bengals in the long run, especially if they do make the playoffs. But James, looking at the Bengals' draft, Definitely defensive focused for them over the mm-hmm. course of the three days. How'd you feel like they did? Well, let's start with the first pick. I think Dax Hill could be a star in this league. He's extremely versatile. I love the pick and I loved it because I think in years past, uh, I think back to the Drake Kirkpatrick pick in 2012 and, uh, you know, a first rounder and they would reach for a corner if a corner's the need. Oh, he's the best corner available. We're just going to take him. And there were guys like Andrew Booth Jr. and Kyler Gordon available. And not, no knock on those guys, but Dax Hill was the highest player on their board. And so I'm glad that they stuck to their board. Then they circled back. They got Cam Taylor Britt, who is a, an uber athlete, can run with the best of them, is versatile just like Dax Hill. He's going to play that outside corner position. I think he'll push Eli Apple potentially for a starting job as a rookie and can certainly take over there in year two. And, and then they added a, you know some, some other guys, Zachary Carter th- that I like as well, Tyson Anderson, Jeffrey Gunter. On defense, and then offensively, uh, adding a guy like Cordell Volson, I think, was a, a huge addition for them. So, bringing in a guy like Cordell Volson on this offensive line to compete for that left guard spot, uh, certainly a big addition uh, for the Bengals' offense. And I, I talked to him uh, the other day, and he's ready to compete for it. Even though he went to North Dakota State, no one's heard his name. He grew up in a town of twenty-six people, which is just. Uh, Kind of wild because now Cincinnati's the big city to him. So I think he'll adjust to that probably or have a little adjusting to make. But uh, overall, I think he's he's ready to go to compete for that job. Yeah, absolutely. Cincinnati, I think, filled a lot of their holes on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned a couple offensive additions there as well. But, James, I'm looking forward to seeing this team compete, especially in the AFC North, which I think has a potential to be one of the best divisions in all of football in 2022, talent all around. But I appreciate you coming on here. Thanks so much for joining me. And this Bengals team, a lot of potential in 2022. No doubt about it. I appreciate you having me. I am really excited to see how the Bengals team goes up against their schedule. Obviously, that really tough back half, but the AFC North, one of the divisions I think will be so, so good in 2022, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out for every team in that division. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to get back in tomorrow. We'll be talking about more NFL with your Tuesday host, so be sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.